0: The Chicago Reader's Jonathan Rosenbaum said, Whatever this 1972 feature is, it's entertaining and stylish, though maybe not quite as serious as it wants to be. Variety Magazine said, The screenplay, which never seems to talk down to an audience, while at the same time making its candid points with tasteful emphasis, returns the story to a variety of settings. And Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun Times said the context of Germany on the eve of the Nazi ascent to power makes the entire musical into an unforgettable cry of despair. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we discuss the history and legacy of Cabaret.
1: Which
0: one will it be? The
1: Podcast.
0: Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. Greetings, Starfighters. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> you had to. You had the to. The funny thing is, you probably knew I was going to do it before I knew I was going to do it because I did not. I literally, we hit record and af- right after i like just said hey i'm recording i was just like oh that's that would be a good way to to start
1: earlier when i was like cleaning up after dinner and everything i was like oh, i bet he's going to do a vilkoman
0: well you know uh, cabaret i'm i'm excited to talk about cabaret it's one of my it's one of the best one of my favorite broadway musicals that i've seen um i've actually never seen a live production of it before i saw it i will you know hey do we have any news to get to um well i mean we had talked about not so much doing yeah. news
1: because we record this like a week before it comes out um i mean any but any tra- like jo- hey
0: like joker won what the Golden I, line at the venice I film mean, festival
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that's cool the, the only thing that i was thinking of mentioning and this was something that we've brought up on our Instagram feed is that there's a lot of drama about a potential uh, princess bride remake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like rumors floating around as they there's nothing like there's nothing in the works. It's just like the idea of it came up and th- there's just like an uproar. And it's a lot of, like, it's a perfect movie. Don't ruin it. And that's coming from, like, Carrie always, and, you know, other actors. And it's, that that's what, but that's what we talk about is, like, you know what? It's not going to erase history. That movie is always going to be there, and it's always going to be great. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And so. uh sorry before I share my my two cents here um I I I want to comment because I I saw that um French fry phil commented on our on the photo I, I stuck Oh did he? Yeah. And no but he made a really good point because he said he's always wanted it to be rescored that like get rid oh. of the synth score and Yeah, that makes sense. like kind of have it more period and I thought to myself yeah, absolutely. That is kind of one of those things that – and here's – bring on the hate mail. Um, so it's one, of, it's one of the things that, that's always kind of bothered me about The Princess Bride. And I don't, I don't dislike The Princess Bride. I actually – I really like The Princess Bride. I don't know why I think I'm going to get hate mail. Um, but I've – and it's not, but it's not like something that's precious to me. Like um, one of my colleagues – like, it is, you know, like, their family's movie. Like, they will quote it back and forth. Like, their family can, you know, it's... Oh, it's that kind of movie. It is. And th- right. That's not... They are not the only family like that. Um, and I don't know if now is the time to talk about it. I do remember when we first saw it, but... Let's put a pin in that. Let's put a pin in that.
1: We're gonna put a pin in that. And although I, I will just follow up on what you were saying. Um, I was at a, um, a dinner with uh, my wife's colleagues recently, and one of them was to, the Princess Bride came up, not in the context of remaking it, but um, someone said Mowish. it just kind of came up as it being as it being. A, it's just like a super quotable movie that mm-hmm. you know. It kind of it transcends a lot of barriers, like age and for a lot of people, race, and you know, it's like you can walk into someone else's living room and see their whole family, and they'll be quoting the same things that your family quotes from it. That type of it thing. It transcends Not like party lines.
0: That. It does.
1: It it absolutely does. And it's got Andre the um, Giant
0: in it. God damn it! It
1: sure does. And uh, she was saying how like. It's her favorite movie and her favorite book. And then she started saying, uh, quoting Miracle Max, but she called him Mad Max. And I was like, this is your favorite? And you're... You don't. Even, you're not even getting the guy's name right. Although now I'm imagining Hello. Miracle Max Hello. beyond
0: Thunderdome, and I love it. <laughs> Call Billy Crystal, <laughs> um, which and I and, and actually speaking of Princess, I use Princess Bride um, in in teaching. I've used it to uh, have kids analyze characters. It presents a great opportunity for kids to like really. Um, the, the characteristics are very bold in it. The character traits are very bold in it. Yeah. I also use it when I teach Romeo and Juliet um in, in the context of spoiler alert, um Juliet taking the potion that I, I describe it as it makes her mostly dead. It, yeah. sh- she's you know, she's carry in in The Princess Bride after he's on, you know, the, the six-fingered man's machine with the with the albino. Mm-hmm. And uh that uh, politically correct you can't have the albino yep. anymore. I don't know. Also, Mel Smith, man, shout out Mel Smith. Yeah, I mean, R.I.P. of brain donors. Yeah. Well, like we can still shout yeah, him out. We can still that's, shout him out. Yeah, well, let's know. pour one out for uh, pour pour one out for Mel Smith. <laughs> you bet. I'm pouring um, it on oh, my sparkling grapefruit juice here.
1: All right. So anyway, that's the only thing that.
0: Oh, really was worth bringing up so my two cents but, on it is this yeah why uh unless you're readapting the novel and i've never read the novel but if if you are readapting the novel or maybe you're adapting and expanding the world of the princess bride in in in, in almost a like a pg rated game of thrones like yeah a more a more, like, lighthearted, fantastical type of, you know, fantasy or, like, um, I don't want to say medieval fantasy, but, you know, that type of fantasy. Right. So, yeah. I. But, you know, it's like you, you think about it and you're like, well, you know, who's going to play Indigo Montoya that's not going to – that you're not going to be like – Like they're not, you're going to complain that they're not Mandy Patinkin. You're going to complain if they try to do Mandy Patinkin. I Mm -hmm. don't, all due respect to Mandy Patinkin, I don't think he's going to reprise the role unless they did a sequel. Are we going to talk? Are we talking about this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because I've got thoughts. Are we pivoting? Or are we just doubling? I don't know. I, well, I just want to make sure I know what's going on because. We could talk about this and try to keep it brief, or we can put a pin in this whole thing and talk about it another time.
0: We could talk about it next episode. We could we could call an audible here and postpone our originally planned next episode <laughs> for the following episode. <laughs> sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We're t- we are going Princess Bride next week. Rob <laughs> it's Reiner. Happening.
1: Absolutely, I'm I'm excited to uh, watch it again. It's been a couple years.
0: Yeah, yeah. All so right.
1: um, anyway, Pin. let's then pivot to Cabaret. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, a I, very different movie. Yeah,
0: actually, yeah. We we got to talk about Cabaret. Very different movie. Controvers- So since what's that? Controversial. Definitely controversial. Sure.
1: I. It was nominated for, I believe, 10 Academy Awards,
0: won eight. Bob Fossey beat Francis Ford Coppola, who was nominated for The Godfather.
1: Right, which beat it out for Best Picture and uh, Best one other thing. Um,
0: Maybe Best Actor, but was Michael York nominated for Best Actor? Uh, I guess
1: Joel Grey would
0: have been Supporting Actor. He won Supporting, and Liza Minnelli won Best Actress. Cause yeah, I don't know. If I'm pretty sure all Middle the other York. supporting nominees were from The Godfather because it would have been. Um, I mean, it would have been Al. I think Al Pacino, unless he was nominated against Marlon Brando. Um, I'm it was James. I Khan. could just look it up. James Kahn, John was John Cazal not nominated for that? Fredo. I mean, come on. You just pick anyone from the cast of The Godfather, and they could be a supporting actor nominee.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of amazing that I mean, and Joel Gray is phenomenal he is he, he yeah i mean
0: he absolutely is yeah,
1: yeah. and uh for anybody unfamiliar joel gray who plays the mc father of jennifer gray of dirty dancing baby she, baby the one and only Ooh. uh she's joel gray's baby and uh joel gray you might also know from the player with nick nolte and susan sarandon who were in <laughs> lorenzo's oil <laughs>
0: Oh wow. Okay. Oh wait. What was mine? <laughs> Shit. I had it. Um. So. Oh no. You know what? I was racking my brain. I was totally. Ra- I was. I was like Liza Minnelli. Like, <laughs> what was Liza Minnelli and Arthur? Who's in Arthur? Dudley Moore. John Gielgud. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Without with and, and I wasn't gonna go imdb this like
1: i i f- i feel like or michael york
0: there's got to be a connection between michael york austin powers yeah like austin powers yeah. with like madeline stowe in the first austin powers or or, or clint howard like yeah there's got to be, gotta be a, overlap a somewhere. direct path yeah you're just i i the I want to see how long we can go until you run out of the player. It will happen. It will happen. I'm cur- I'm trying to think of who from the Princess Bride would have been in the player.
1: Um, and and hold on, hmm. we're, we're
0: we'll come back to that next week. L-
1: let's yeah, pin that's that. right. Pin we it. Will.
0: Pin it. I'm not literally pinning anything out. I'm just making a motion right now and.
1: Yeah, but you're next to a bulletin board.
0: I well, I'm next to a wall that <laughs> that I can stick tax in. Anyway, well there you I'll, go. I'll take pictures and post so, them uh, on Instagram. So Dan,
1: since since you are uh, more familiar, I mean, yeah, I saw the movie, but because this is something that you know you've been an admirer of the stage production, uh, why don't you give a brief synopsis?
0: Okay, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you a little story about. possibly I regret (laughs) handing it over to you. (laughs) No, it's, it's a little story. And, um, so I, uh, I went to college at Rutgers university and studied theater and, um, had some awesome friends and we all like, you know, kind of geeked out about theater and acting and direction. And one day, um, it was me and uh, my my good friends to this day Mr. Ray Dejean and Mr. Michael Buckley and fit as mm-hmm. buck fitasbuck.com if you're looking for a personal trainer he does like video training sessions anyway
1: fit as buck
0: fit as buck yep good god also
1: makes Total sense, <laughs> you, knowing him. <laughs> yes, abs- ab- Big Daddy
0: Buck, um, uh, beautiful Buckley of Capital Wrestling. Anyway, and Ray, Di- Ray is, um, I forget what his title is, but at the, the gra- oh boy, he's going to kill me. I forget the name of the hotel. In Austin, one of Austin, Texas's finest hotels. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Ray, like. Well, shout out Ray what's and what's Buckley. That. Anyway, so. And, Go on. yeah. Anyway, so Ray and Buckley and I, went into Manhattan and we were going to get tickets for a matinee and an evening performance. And I believe our matinee was art with, uh, at the time it was, it was Alfred Molina. Um, oh, I'm totally drawing a blank on his name. And I can't believe it. I like great actor on. Uh, he was on Alias. He's Sidney's father, Victor Garber. Victor Garber. Okay. Victor Garber. Um, and Alan Alda. Oh, yeah. Love Alan Alda. It, yeah. Oh no, it was fantastic. Wonderful play. And our evening show was Cabaret. The 1998 mm-hmm. revival of Cabaret. While it was still in what was called the the Kit Kat club. It was previously, okay. um, it, it was previously, I want to say the, like the Henry Miller theater. Um, and they, uh, for this production, which was directed by Sam Mendes and, cho- huh. and choreographed by Rob Marshall. Um, the very Fosse inspired choreography. Right. um, Like very a lot of there were a lot of the choreography and the club scenes in the movie brought to mind the show, Uh, but it was kind of made to look like you know kind of a gritty like underground German nightclub, and and the the play takes place. um, I think the movie is set in 1931 Berlin. The plays it's all plays like 1930. It's all around the same time. Mm -hmm. It's it's the end of Weimar Weimar Germany um you know it's the poverty the country is in a dep- is in this depression um, there's hyperinflation and so on and so forth so this is kind of towards the end of this like age of of liberalism in post world war 1 germany and they really made the whole thing up to look like that and they made it very um it was a full environment like you were the show cool. Was everywhere. Um, Alan Cumming, who played, It's kind of like when you
1: go to see cats, like there's gigantic trash in the in the lobby. I don't because you're a cat. You're cats. You're a cat-sized person. Just a
0: big litter box. I've never seen cats, nor do I plan to. There's. I've never had anyone tell me anything appealing. About cats, no one has ever told me anything that has made me consider seeing cats.
1: I've only ever heard that certain things were
0: better than cats. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely yes uh, it was better
1: than cats. Um, it was better than cats, and I don't mean the deli um that was that was from just like a commercial for some other it show, it was a commercial right?
0: it was like when they would do those old Broadway commercials where they would you know cat, interview people coming out of the show. I laughed, I cried. it was better than cats. Yeah, I feel like
1: that is probably a very regional, regionally specific yeah type of ad y- y- yeah, that we got no, in New Jersey. Yeah,
0: we got in New Jersey because we were the the audience, we were the target demographic. Yeah. So, um, so Alan Cumming played the MC, and even when he wasn't on stage, he was still on stage. Like I remember him lurking, and that is the most appropriate word to use, lurking out. Like, we, and we were all s- seated at tables. So it was like, we're the patrons um, at the nightclub. Cool. And it was like when he wasn't performing, he was always on stage watching. He, he was always somewhere in the theater, just kind of like lurking about. And he had this very pale, I mean, this was Alan Cumming, 1998, uh, you know, he, but he was like real thin. And yeah. like, you had the impression that the MC, like in, in the movie, the MC is like, like it's a big theater. It looks like a somewhat mm-hmm. big theater, especially you know at the beginning of the movie, and the the MC is like he's well dressed. He's right. you know, and Alan Cumming was just like he was uh, no shirt, uh, suspenders, really pale makeup, but really dark. Like you kind of seen looked photos like photos from this, yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> he almost looked like the crow. Um, so, but he was. Amazing, like captivating. Na- I have no doubts. Natasha he's Richardson, incredible. Um, nat- the late Natasha Richardson, the late great Natasha mm-hmm. Richardson played Sally Bowles, and um, because in the play, Sally Bowles is British. And I oh, okay, I believe in the original book by Christopher Isherwood, she's British and he's British in the musical, at least the 1998 revival. Uh, the her like love interest is not a British man named Brian uh, Brian Brian. Um, it's a it's an American. I want to say an American photographer named Clifford Bradshaw. Um, he huh. was played by John Benjamin Hickey, who you would know. Um, f- I mean, God, he's on. He was on The Good Wife. He played um, Juliana Margulies's brother on The Good Wife. Oh yeah! So a uh, a reunion of sorts for he and Alan Cumming. Yeah, totally. I, I'm I'm sure that occurred to me at some point watching it. Um, <laughs> and it also, I mean, so many great actors in this. And then there was another. So in the movie, there's this romantic subplot between um, a Jewish woman and a man who is a Jew masquerading as a Gentile in in Berlin. Fritz. Yeah, Fritz. And Fritz, um, that they are not in the movie. The movie's kind of romantic subplot that brings in that a- aspect of anti-Semitism is Fräulein Schneider, who runs the boarding house where they live. Oh, oh, wait. That's in the play. In the play. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So in the play. Yeah, in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. In the movie, the Fräulein Schneider has like one line and you just see her ironing. Right. In, in the play, she's got songs. Like, there's a duet between oh. her and Herr Schultz, who is this older Jewish man that they kind of strike up a relationship and they, have a, they sing a song about, like, what if we were married. And um, they have some really adorable songs, uh, which were all uh, cut from the movie, and I'll, we'll get to that. but um, And that was, that was uh, Ron Rifkin played Herr Schultz. Of okay. of alias speaking of. Um yeah. so, <laughs> so Ron Ron Rifkin played Herr Schultz. And I'm trying to remember who else was Natasha Richardson, John Benjamin Hickey. Yeah. And it was it was so good. Like a lot of the musicians were also the Kit Kat Girls. Uh-huh. And it's similar to to what Fosse shows in, in the movie. But it kind of had this very, very like dirty the movie hints at it, but the play, like the show was really sexual. Like the song mm-hmm. Two Ladies features a threesome in shadow play. Like oh. it, um I, I really like
1: the way that that, that, see, that um that song was done in the movie. It was a lot of fun. The musical numbers like they're they're shot in such interesting ways and you don't check out during them.
0: No. No. And here's yeah. where I think here's where I think uh a, here was like a decision I think was really solid was taking out the songs that in the musical are sung as part of the story outside the cabaret Gotcha I think keeping the music in and and there are some like really nice songs that are lost but to be quite honest like when I listen to that cast recording I listen to the cabaret songs I listen to the opening number I listen to Mine Hair I listen to Don't Tell Mama I listen to Two Ladies I also sometimes listen to Tomorrow Belongs to Me which was Which one is that? That is the only song in the movie that is not sung in the cabaret. It is sung by the young Nazi in the beer garden. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow belongs to me, which has actually been ad- adopted by like some white nationalist groups, was written by Kander and Ebb. It wasn't I I I was always cuz it, it it sounds so authentic. Huh. I thought that it was just a you know a Nazi a song, like a Nazi, yeah, a Nazi song. song. Yeah, I mean, they had, you know, like you know, just because they were Nazis didn't mean they didn't sing. But <laughs> oh, they got down. Um, but um, T- tomorrow belongs to me is a chilling song, and in the play, it is like it drives such a chill. I remember the end of that play. Yeah. Well, because the play ends also differently than than the movie. And at the end of the play, one of the final images that you're, I mean, first Sally Bowles, when she's singing Life is a Cabaret at the end, and it's it's after, so in both the movie and the play, she gets pregnant, she ends up having an abortion. And in the play, you see, you get a hint of this in the movie, but one of the big differences between the movie and the play is in the movie, Liza Minnelli plays Sally Bowles as a very talented Singer and dancer. Mm-hmm. In the play, Natasha Richardson played Sally Bowles as a talented enough singer. Okay. Who really wasn't going to go any further in her career than this. Gotcha. And at when she's when Natasha Richardson sang "Life Is a Cabaret." at the end, and you know her character has just had that abortion. And she... And I, it was either, like, Ray or Buckley who who I think phrased it this way, but you see her fall apart during the song. Mm-hmm. And what makes me wish that maybe that had been a little more present in Bob Fosse's cabaret is because how um how personal the style is and how intimate his shots are even during mm-hmm. those musical numbers yeah yeah so um so yeah so the play has a lot of differences different characters there is still the subplot um the the character of max in the movie Right. Who Max is kind of like you just get the idea like he's rich. He's bisexual. What is he a baron or something? Yeah, he's something like that and he's basically like sleeping with both Sally and mm-hmm. Brian. Brian. Which is not the in in the play the the character is um oh, another Dennis O'Hare. Played this character in Dennis O'Hare. American Horror Story. um, I'm trying to think what else. He's in so much. He pops up in so much. Um, But he played this character. um, Sorry. can't find my notes here. Um, Oh, yeah. uh, Hare Ludwig. If you saw him, you'd you'd
1: know him in a second. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. brilliant character actor, Uh, but he played Herr Ludwig, who is the Nazi in the play. He's like, he's a Nazi. He's, he's, you don't meet him as a Nazi, but then you find out later it's when he sings, like they put on, uh, I think a record of tomorrow belongs to me. And he starts Mm -hmm. singing along and he's like, he and this other character, um, I've, forget what her name is, but like the two of them are just like in like Nazi heaven harmonizing and singing the song together, if I'm remembering it correctly, but yeah, they sing tomorrow belongs to me and it's reprised later with Alan Cummings singing it. Oh yeah. And he ends it. It's so chilling. I want to say it's the end of act one. And when, when he, he ends the song and he ends it rather than singing to me. He goes to me and has like a Hitler mustache oh, and is, right. is doing the C Kyle,
1: which I feel like he does at a, some point in the movie, but not clearly not during it, that because he doesn't do that. It's but not as he, chilling, right? It's yeah. he, it's done like as a goof, yeah, you know. But also the yeah.
0: show the show ends where the MC, um. When he, I forget what he's wearing, but he, I, if I remember correctly, he like removes. He's like wearing a coat, and when he removes the coat, he's got a tattoo on his arm, or or they, mm-hmm. he puts a coat on, and it's got a patch, and it's got right. it's got a, a pink triangle, um, and and like a, a Jewish patch. So he's he's in the concentration camp, both both being Jewish and gay. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. So at the end, they kind of have this reveal that like just the Kit Kat Club is done, which they they show that they kind of actually the movie's different because I feel like at the end of the movie, there's kind of an upswing for the Kit Kat Club. Yeah, except it's an audience of Nazis, right? Uh, Watch the movie. It's it's fun. Yeah, it's it, it's yeah. No no. All the. I mean yeah. It it is fun. It's brilliantly shot. Like oh, it's 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 a treat for the eyes. I mean, and I had never. I, first of all, I I always for some reason in my mind, Cabaret came out in 1970, so it wasn't in my mind. It was not up against the Godfather. But when I discovered that Bob Fosse won over francis coppola for the godfather yeah i wasn't it's a big deal partially because francis coppola won for godfather part two so it's kind of like peter jackson winning for the third lord of the rings but it's exactly like that (laughs) similar looks in that time period too so
1: yeah so um the i think the only things that you didn't mention are just the the basics of the character of brian in the movie Mm. and so yeah it's played by michael york who most people would probably know from either logan's run or the austin power movies as basil exposition and he uh he's studying german but he yeah he's in germany to like study german but he is uh making money teaching English or, like, yeah. tutoring, yeah, like, um, oh, yeah, helping people with their English, yeah, kind of just on the side. And, uh, yeah, he ends up in this boarding house where Sally Bowles also lives, and that's how they have a chance meeting, and uh, she invites him to the Kit Kat Club, and the two of them uh, hit it off. And what we know about him is that he is, I believe,
0: celibate when she meets him. He kind of implies that he's gay because she, well, she kind of asks him if he's gay and he doesn't say anything.
1: Yeah, so his uh, sexual orientation is ambiguous and uh, right. And also it's like thinking about it in 1931, people probably aren't as quick to announce their sexuality.
0: True, though I will say that in um during the Weimar period in Germany, it was actually, it was. I, I don't want to, I'm not going to say like you know, it, you could you know, pride parade every day in the streets, but there was more openness towards mm-hmm. um towards homosexuality, bisexuality,
1: right? But he's uh, he's an English, yeah, an Englishman, yes, you know who's just arrived there. Yeah, so you know, for her to be so open with him, I mean, c- considering the the time and place in in Germany, but also her career, you know, there's just a lot more openness. So they develop their relationship, um, and then in comes Maximilian, and it's kind of like. How does he fit in? And then it's like, oh, are they? I guess they're like a thruple now.
0: They and have that weird. He dance goes scene. Away.
1: Oh, it's really, really beautiful. Actually,
0: yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a it's a really cool scene. It it was. I guess I just didn't. I didn't. I don't. I think I was caught off guard by it and. Uh, it is beautiful. You're right, and that, that's what—that's actually one of the, one, an example of Fosse's like that intimacy of Fosse's style. To be uh-huh. able to direct a musical that feels so personal is—I mean—really an accomplishment.
1: Yeah. Well, and we could talk about all that jazz. <laughs> but man, I haven't know. seen
0: that movie in a long time. But, but
1: that's—I mean. As personal as it gets, because well, that's him th- doing the story of his of his life and death, <laughs> and death. And yeah, death. that's true. Yeah. So, um, so Bob, I mean Bob Fosse, interesting guy. If you if you haven't watched Fossy Verdin, um, it's on Hulu, I think. Yeah, and uh, yeah, man, it's great. I know
0: we like pitched it. I actually watched another because I've kind of just been like taking my time with it, with each episode, and just like. I'm not necessarily binge watching it, but I watched another episode after we recorded our last Rune Childhoods. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you, you forget it's Michelle Williams and Sam Rockwell. Yeah. They are that good.
1: I don't know if I necessarily forget that it's Sam Rockwell.
0: Slightly more, it is more so with Michelle Williams. She, I I, I don't know like much about Gwen Verdon. I've seen a couple of things she was in, but I
1: I think it has more to do with the fact that Sam Rockwell is known for dancing in his movies, you know. And that's true. So he didn't dance in three billboards, did he? (laughs) Uh, not that I can recall, but in a lot of his movies. At some point, he dances. So when I saw that he was playing uh, Bob Fosse, I was like, oh, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I could see him dancing. Anyway, so Fosse-Verdon, amazing.
1: Yeah. So, so Dan, how could you maybe imagine Cabaret um, now?
0: Yeah. um, So I could imagine it very much now. I... So I'm very much influenced by that 1998 Broadway production and it makes me wonder what Sam Mendes would do given the opportunity to make a film of Cabaret. Now, you're not going to you're not going to remake Bob Fosse's Cabaret. So I feel like it's a smarter choice to try to adapt the Sam Mendes Adaptation into a film and kind of go and go more in that direction. I would definitely take some cues from Fosse and I have a hard time seeing the choreography being different. I mean, like I said earlier, Rob Marshall choreographed for, for Mendez and it was very like Fosse. He wasn't Uh, trying to, he, Rob Marshall was not trying to do Rob Marshall's cabaret. He was, which I think this was a, I think it was a, a great choice. And Rob Marshall is also a pretty good director, so I feel like maybe getting Rob Marshall and Sam Mendes back together to work on a film would be. I mean, Sam Mendes
1: is great.
0: Yeah, fantastic director. He, um, I don't know what I, I. Oh, he does have an. He has something. He has a new film coming out. I forget it's, what it's called, but or is it a? It might be a series. He might be.
1: I feel like I read something about um, about what he's up to recently. I'm I'm googling it right now. Um, producer, he's a
0: producer on Informer, director, it's a prime prime show.
1: So he's not doing the new Bond, right? But uh, something called 1917 is in post production. Oh, yes,
0: that's what I was thinking of. 1917, which looks interesting. Um, yeah, World War One movie. Yeah. Uh, so, and um, so anyway, so that's what I'm thinking. Like creatively, I I I do like the Bob Fosse choice of. Keeping the musical numbers in the club, so yeah, I do think I would, I would want. I think I would want that in in a new film version, um, and then uh, shall we talk cast? Go ahead. Um, so, first of all, I wish Alan Cumming could just be the MC, and I mean maybe uh, there. He did it. It's not like there's
1: a specific age.
0: No, that's what I'm thinking. And I'm sure he's got it in him. That's what I'm that's what I'm thinking is I would love to have Alan Cumming. And then the only other name that I really thought of was Joseph Gordon Levitt. Oh, he's great. I love him. I could see Joseph Gordon Levitt having a lot of fun and kind of being a cross between the Alan Cumming MC and the Joel Gray MC. So that was kind of where I, where I went there. Of course, I mean, like, it would be great to actually cast German actors. Right, yeah. But, uh, you know, for Sally, for Sally Bowles, my first thought was Anna Kendrick, and I kind of went back on that. Because um, I, think, I think Sally Bowles should be British. If we're sti- okay. And if we're sticking to the 98 the revival, she is. So um, Jessica Brown Finley, Lady Mary of Downton Abbey.
1: Oh, yeah, okay.
0: Um, I think she's uh she's magnificent. I think she's got a great look for it and Sure. I don't know if she can sing, but I don't think she needs to be an amazing singer. Um also on my list, Rachel Vice. Okay. I think she's so talented. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Why not?
1: <laughs> and she's I mean I was just thinking about her performance in The Favorite. Yeah, it's just yes. so good. Exactly.
0: That's that's what made me think of her. Yeah. And um, Michelle Williams, <laughs> who I think who <laughs> did it, who did it in a revival. I think when I think they they revived like that production, the ninety eight production. I want to say they did it like maybe five years ago. And I actually think Alan Cumming did come back as the MC, but they've also had Neil Patrick Harris, uh, John Stamos. Right. Yeah. Um, but oh yeah, I forgot
1: Stamos did it. Yeah,
0: I knew NPH did it. Yeah, yeah. But I forgot about Stamos. Stamos did it. Um, so I so Michelle Williams actually did play Sally Bowles, at, um, at some point in the history of of the show. So, um, for for Cliff, I don't know. I was kind of having trouble because first I was thinking of Cliff British- slash Brian, Brian. right because I was thinking of British actors and I was thinking of Alan Leach who's also from Downton Abbey he is oh okay um, yeah Branson uh, uh, Taryn Egerton kind of came to mind but then I was like I kind of I cooled off no like I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his work but I was like you know eh, take a break um, Michael Fassbender came <laughs> to mind hmm. <laughs> I think there are a lot of actors who could who could play that role um, for, uh, Herr Ludwig, the character that Dennis O'Hare played in, on Broadway. Right. So, um, I, I thought of Daniel Brühl <laughs> and Christoph Waltz. Okay. Christoph Waltz. I just went to the Inglorious oh, you know, Bastards. I Christoph Waltz. I just went to the Inglorious yeah. Bastards cast and was like, which Nazis could we use here? And Daniel <laughs> Brühl and, and Christoph Waltz. Uh, I didn't really have a hair Schultz in mind. Herr Schultz is who Ron Rifkin played in the Broadway version. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fräulein Schneider, the uh, the the um, landlady, I guess, or the, the owner the of the landlady. boarding house, I was like, first I went Michelle Pfeiffer for some reason, hmm. and then I just went Meryl Streep. I think I went Michelle <laughs> Pfeiffer because Michelle Pfeiffer was in Witches of Eastwick with Susan Sarandon, who was in Lorenzo's <laughs> Oil. So... <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um uh, that's neither here nor there right now. And I went Meryl Streep because I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> she, she likes doing accents and musicals, and this is both <laughs> sure. She's great. She's yeah. Meryl
1: Streep. Yeah. No one's gonna argue that. Um so What, what do you I, think of John? You know, I had a similar thought where it's like you can't do a sequel. That's just not an option. Um but, and I'm not, what's that? Sorry, the sequel to Life is a Cabaret
0: is Life is Beautiful. Um,
1: ah, well, it kind of. does take place shortly after.
0: That's where the sequel, to, yeah, anyway, sorry, John, continue, yeah. I'm going to stop talking.
1: Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, I was thinking that it would be interesting, and uh, I'm going to say it's not that I would want this to happen, but if it had to happen... I could see it being brought into a more present day and dealing with perhaps the alt-right in place of the Nazis Um, and still kind of have it be the same types of characters and the same environments, Um, but, you know, present day. And I feel like I... To direct it, I would actually have Damien Chazelle. Oh yeah, and then of course bring in Emma Stone for the Sally Bowles character. She
0: did it also on Broadway. Did she?
1: Mm-hmm. Not not surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the um, MC, Nicholas Holt.
0: Speaking of the favorite,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, well, yeah, Emma Stone and Nicholas Holt.
0: We know I how he looks the, in white makeup. On the brain. <laughs>
1: Right. Well, that's why I thought about it. And um for the Brian character, I was actually thinking Eddie Redmayne. Oh yeah. 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 I I feel like he you know, he was so good as like Stephen Hawking and then when he did um oh, what was that? Was that
0: Jupiter Ascending he was in? He was in Jupiter Ascending, yeah.
1: And I feel like he did that and everyone was like,
0: "Never mind." <laughs> Well, because but he was also in oh, the film. the Danish
1: was it the Danish girl? Is that?
0: Uh yeah, yeah, where he played the mm-hmm. he was tr- uh transgender in that, I think. Mm-hmm. And um he was in the the film version of Les Mis. Les Misérables. That's right. He played yeah. Marius.
1: So, I thought that he would be good because I feel like I've seen him do the kind of like reserved but like you could tell that there's more going on in their head type of character. Yeah. Um, And then for Maximilian, Ryan Gosling, (laughs) you know that he works well with Damien Chazelle and Emma Stone. And he's, you know, he has that like charisma that like, you know, that just that magnetic personality. Um, And then I was also thinking, what if you took that same cast and have it directed by John Waters? Well, just for fun.
0: That's how, uh, man, I would love to see that. I would love to see John Waters' cabaret. That'd be great. <laughs> so, so here's, so here's the thing with, so I, I definitely, of course, you can't, I'm not going to say you can't watch this movie and not think of present day, but there are so many parallels and it's like in, during the Weimar period in the 1920s in Germany, which, we're going to take a little history lesson.
1: I'm
0: in, <laughs> I'm in the classroom, why not? And so Germany really got uh, punished for World War I. The Versailles Treaty really punished Germany, and Germany ended up kind of being this, quote-unquote, democracy. where yeah. yeah, but there was still a Kaiser, and it was like, hey yeah, if things get a little crazy, the Kaiser can just kind of do what he wants. So, but there was a lot of, like, Germany became really progressive. And, like, film, that's when, like, a lot of the great, uh, you know, German filmmakers were working, you know, Murnau, and they there was a lot of, a lot of support for the arts there is a much looser attitude towards homosexuality as i was saying before so it it is very much mirrored by the the obama years it's very much mirrored right. by 8 years during which um, gay marriage is is quote unquote Legalized. It feels ridiculous to say that any type of marriage should be legalized. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, gay marriage is recognized federally by the government. Uh, You know, more people are are given health care. And, like, the one big difference is that the economy actually got, you know, really good under Obama, whereas during uh, the Weimar period, because Germany—and this is partially because uh, Germany had to pay, like, the rest of the world— Germany had to like pay all this money to the rest of Europe because World War I, as, as perhaps we will see in Sam Mendes' upcoming 1917, we will see how Germany um, and World War I really devastated Europe. And at the Versailles Treaty, it was very punitive towards Germany in money. Okay, you have to give back all this land. So they had to give back all this land where there were factories Uh, a lot of infrastructure like they Germany was was broken by that by that treaty and there was really no mercy hindsight being 2020 not the best idea because then you have a lot of you do have a certain number of people in Weimar Germany who are enjoying a new sense of freedom and um, and liberty but you also have you you still have anti-Semitism you still have I mean part of the reason why Jews were business owners and bankers was because there were other jobs they weren't allowed to do in Germany and uh, especially once, once Hitler started gaining power in the late 20s early 30s and a lot of what happened in Weimar, Germany. So like they just, they went broke and Germany just started printing more money. Like they just told the, the, you know, um, the government was, oh, uh, we don't have money. Let's make more. And then the money was worth very little. It was worth nothing. So that's, you kind of see that descent in, in the film of Cabaret. You see the audience of, of the club gets like you see it thin out over the course of the film and you see everyone mm-hmm. looking more and more run down but really by 1931 everyone was uh you know the the Nazis I think had the high of there were like 20 political parties and the Nazis had like 16% of the seats in parliament which meant they had the majority <laughs> because there were so many political right. parties um, It was just, yeah, like a mess. And it was – and there were a lot of people suffering while other people who previously suffered kind of enjoyed a new sense of freedom. You had other people who were suffering and you had – just like you have the, you know, the, the people in America who are saying, oh, you know, our jobs are being taken by, by immigrants right. – And, oh, those other people have, you know, oh, why do they get all this freedom? And I'm poor, like, why do they get handouts? That was very much the attitude by a lot of people in Germany. And Hitler came along and said, make Germany great again. I'm not... I'm not kidding. That was like one of their sayings. He right. said he was going to make Germany great again. He 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 told people he, he was just like, hey, why are we acting like this? We're Germans. We are the greatest people on earth, and the rest of the world will suffer uh, for what they've done to us. And everyone was like, yeah, I, I can get behind that. And that's – he was like – and by the way – and then it was all these people are – Awful, and they're making your problems worse, and they need to go away. Well, they
1: are called the folksmen, but after such a harrowing tale, one might call them the spokesmen. Sorry, just uh, <laughs> <laughs> paraphrasing uh, Bob Balaban and a Mighty Wind. Oh. Uh, <laughs> But no, that. Uh, thank you for the for the history lesson because I feel like that helps put a lot of this in context and really kind of drives home how some a story like cabaret could work,
0: you right? Know, in these days, except you know, it, that I it works contextually. I just wouldn't change the setting. I would. I mean, it's still about everything that's happening. It's just, I guess. Here's the thing: if John Waters was going to make it, yes. If anybody else was going to make it, well, then
1: it would take place in Baltimore.
0: (laughs) Who's wait? Oh man, too bad divine's not around to play Sally Bowles. Well, that's what I was saying is like they call her Sally Balls now or something. (laughs)
1: Yeah, none of of the John Waters uh, go to's from the heyday are really, you know, Ricky Lake right for the roles.
0: Yeah, I don't know. No. Anyway. Johnny Depp is the MC. <sighs> oh. I I, I wish I c- I'm just
1: exhausted, like, thinking about that.
0: I, I wish I could um, remember who it was that tweeted this, but one of my favorite tweets of all time, and I may have already said this on a previous episode, I've quoted this, but... I never want to see the words Johnny Depp was cast again, unless they are followed by Into the Ocean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just... what, what's so interesting is like, He's a for such actor. a long time, he was so great. And then he, it just was like, pass. No, thank you. Ah. It seemed like the uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were like the... The transitional period.
0: Yeah. Well, because he got an Oscar nomination for playing Jack Sparrow. So he was like, well, I'm just going to put on a, a funny like hat and makeup and do crazy voices all the time.
1: And then well, Tim Burton's like, well, hey, I'm down. <laughs> well, around that time, he also did a Secret Window, which was just like pretty bizarre. John Turturro almost... playing a hillbilly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and and that movie was kinda like Johnny Depp being like it's like, hey, I can be like myself and then everyone was like, Pass. And then uh somewhat recently few years ago he did Transcendence and that was garbage. It's like whenever he tries to do something that uh I don't know, is to, to get back into the good graces, it just is a failure. Kind
0: of, yeah. But he also did um, Finding Neverland, which was, I think, 2004. So it was right around that transitional period. But other than the mm-hmm. accent, he was really... Oh, yeah. yeah. Didn't that just, like, slip in and out? Oh, I thought he was... was that... No, I thought he was pretty good in that.
1: Oh, I mean the accent. Didn't that kind of slip in and out?
0: Of I'm trying to remember of Johnny Depp, like in real life, or oh, I I
1: thought that he was doing. I remember there was some Johnny Depp movie where he kind of goes in and out of a British
0: accent. I mean, maybe it was Finding Neverland, but I don't remember that. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Fifteen. years. I mean, I
1: think I saw it when it came out, and yeah. ever
0: since, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember the last the, thing I saw. Wait, in that, who was like, the who was the kid in that?
0: That that was um, – oh, what's his name? He's the same kid who played Charlie in Charlie and the – Freddie Chocolate Highmore. Fr- Freddie Highmore, yeah, the good doctor. Freddie Highmore. Yes, he's on a show now. He's on a show. He's on a show. Yeah, he plays a doctor. Cool. Yeah.
1: Dr. Highmore. <laughs> uh, oh, well, Dan, I th- I feel like we, we've already addressed what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. We have.
0: Uh, anything – John, is there anything else you want to add about – cabaret where you see it going what its place is i I mean i imagine there will
1: constantly be um revivals of it uh very you know different interpretations but i feel like there's always still going to have similar threads um i would be remiss if i didn't mention the uh the small town performance of cabaret In the in the town of Shit's Creek on the television show Shit's Creek season five, uh, directed by Moira Rose (laughs) and uh, starring uh, Stevie Budd as Sally Bowles, and um, and Patrick
0: as the MC. Oh boy! Oh, (laughs) see now now you're I'm I'm on season two.
1: Oh man, it's so good.
0: It's you know. I don't always have time for a Shit's Creek, but when I have time for a for a little treat, that's that's my go to. It's one of those shows that
1: you think like, "Oh, there's how could it get better than this last season?" and it just keeps on going strong.
0: Yeah, I just watched the enchiladas episode.
1: Oh my god, it's so good!
0: (laughs) Fold the cheese. Fold. How do you fold the cheese? Stop saying fold the cheese. (laughs) All right, uh, <laughs> s- all right. So cabaret. Uh, I don't know if there's a filmed version available anywhere, but if you can fi- like go on YouTube, if you can find a film version of the Sam Mendes revival with Alan Cumming as the MC and Natasha Richardson as Sally Bowles, check it out. It is. I mean it. It is a memorable theater. It, it, for me, it is a memorable theater experience that really still stands out 21 years later
1: yeah clearly and also natasha richardson pour one out
0: yeah pour one out for natasha richardson yeah all right
1: uh well dan uh princess bride next time i'm excited
0: princess bride good journey good
1: journey